Hi friends, I'm Tim Whitaker and welcome to the New Evangelicals podcast. The New Evangelicals is an inclusive, Jesus-centered community that holds space for people marginalized by the evangelical church, advocates for accountability in the church, and helps you explore the Christian tradition beyond the basement of evangelical fundamentalism. This podcast is part of that work, so join us as we talk to people from all walks of life, lending their expertise and wisdom to us as we renegotiate our faith and find better paths forward. Hey, what's up, friends? Welcome back to the show. Good to have you. On this episode, I brought on Deconstruction Girl. That's the name that she goes by publicly, so I'm not going to say her real name. She was mentioned on the podcast episode that Sean McDowell, Alisa Childers, and Tim Barnett did talking about deconstruction. It was the same episode that Pete Enns and I responded to. So what I did was I brought her on this show to have her respond to what they said about her and talk about what it means to be a real Christian. And then this this was a a lot of fun. I got to be honest. It was fun pulling out this little excerpt and having someone who Tim and Elisa and Sean blew up on the spot during a podcast come on to actually respond to their accusations and talking about, again, what does it mean to be a real Christian? Because I'm sure you've heard this often. If you deconstruct, a lot of people who are still inside the evangelical faith love to tell you how you were never a real Christian to begin with. So Deconstruction Girl and I watch the clip. We respond to it in real time and give our thoughts. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode. As always, friends, it means the world to me to have your support. Thank you so much for being here. If you like the show, please feel free to share and like and subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're watching this on YouTube or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and give us a rating and review. And of course, we are a nonprofit organization holding space for thousands of people as they navigate a better way forward in their faith. If you want to support the work that we do, you can donate via the link below. All donations are tax deductible. It is great to be here with you. I hope that you enjoy this shorter response video with me and Deconstruction Girl talking back to Tim Barnett, Sean McDowell, and Elisa Childers. Talk to y'all later on. Hi, my name is Courtney. I live in London, United Kingdom, and I am a TNE monthly donor. I'm a domestic abuse survivor and was raised with John MacArthur and purity culture rhetoric. I left my abuser in September 2020, moving from LA to Southern Utah. I had been a Cali girl my whole life, so seeing the Christian nationalism and patriarchy present in Utah gave me quite a shock. During that time, I began deconstructing and making sense of my abuse and how my church upbringing and political affiliations contributed to it. It's a painful discovery that I'm still coming to terms with. I've never been a big believer in tithing, but you guys gave me a mission I can get behind. I hate that term now, but I don't know of any other more fitting. The U.S. is on a trajectory mirroring that of 1930s Germany, and if something isn't done soon to circumvent that, I worry what the repercussions would be not just for the U.S., but for the whole world. Well, this will be a fun podcast episode. Deconstruction Girl, you and I talk, I mean, we've been talking on and off now for what, probably close to a year via DMs or text messages, and now we're finally doing something public. So good to have you on. Yeah, thank you for having me. I was pretty excited when you asked, even though the way you asked was like, you know what? <laughs> no, the way I asked was, I have a great idea. I think that, I think that's what I said. You did say, I think you're right. I think yeah, you did and this is a good yeah. idea because our our friends, Tim Barnett, Sean McDowell, Lisa <laughs> Childers, they did a podcast episode a few 
weeks ago now, and they're talking about Elisa and Tim's new book about deconstruction and how it's the greatest threat to Christianity, etc. So yeah. Pete Enns and I did a whole response video to this entire episode. We, we, we pulled out some clips and responded to it, which, which folks can find on YouTube or podcasts. But while I was going through the prep, I realized that during this conversation, they called you and your account out by name. <laughs> and I was like, well, damn, I actually know Deconstruction Girl. <laughs> Let's get her on the podcast. And here we are. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's funny because I, I actually haven't watched it because I just thought, why? I don't usually watch stuff like that. People also don't usually uh, drag me on the internet, which is nice uh, that I can see. Maybe people just don't tell me, which is also fine. But I think you you were the one to, to tell me about it, though. That was the first oh, time I, I, I told you right away. I was like, you're mm -hmm. not going to believe this. But and what also, did I say? Oh, you were like, don't show me. I don't, <laughs> don't want to know. Me that. <laughs> yeah. So what better way not to send you that than to bring you online publicly to have you respond to, to what react. they said about you? Yeah. <laughs> and you have not seen this clip, right? No, I'm no, I don't want to see it, but let's do it. Well, I got to admit, I'm a little jealous that they're mentioning you by name and not the new you? evangelicals. Yeah, I try so hard. I try so hard to get their attention. And you are just floating along the Internet doing your thing. And who do they call out? You. Listen, they don't take you seriously if you just take, make memes. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. So here's what I was thinking. This, this whole clip is about four and a half minutes long. It covers a couple things I think are worth talking about. So I'll give you the option. We can either <laughs> go through piece by piece or I can play the whole clip and then we can kind of chop it back up after that. What do you want to do? What do you think? What, oh, what do you think would work? Best? We can go either way. How about this? If you hear something that really makes you say, stop, stop the tape, I'll I will stop finger. it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. If not, we'll just keep going. We'll kind of play the whole segment and okay. then we'll come back around. Fair? Yeah, sure. All right, here we go. Let me know what you think. Tim, let me ask you this, and I want to come back to you on this, Lisa. I want to know what both of you think. Uh, do you think most people who deconstruct, if you can say most, if not many, were ever in the faith? And before you answer, because I realize this is a dangerous question going on the record, I will tell you what I think from my experience. I don't think most were. Now, I'm going to get some hate mail for this. Some people are going to really critique me, and there's You'll two get some reasons why I'm not saying this? all. Just a few. That's not my point. I can't judge anybody's heart. Pause. The one question I've okay, asked wait. on air. Go ahead. Can't judge anybody's heart, but I'm about to. Yes. Let's that's do it. right. Yeah. All right. The one question I've asked on air and over and over again in person is not the story of somebody leaving the faith, but tell me when you got in. Tell me that moment when you realized yeah. you were a sinner in need of God's grace, and you cried out for forgiveness, it's incredible how many times, the vast majority of times, I get a blank stare. I want to stop here, because oh let, let me ask you, Deconstruction Girl, when do you have any memory of you doing what Sean just said? Only like every Sunday. <laughs> right. <laughs> and many times, like at 3 a.m., if I was like crying in my bed praying. Yeah. I tell people often that I, I've talked to Sean, he's been on our podcast. I think that Usually my, my perception of him is that he is a good faith actor, but this interview was telling to me and this comment was really striking because I thought to myself, Sean, who are you talking to and what what do you mean a blank stare? Now, maybe there are people on TikTok he's reached out to who never had that moment, but at least the people I talk to and you know, you have what, 55,000 plus followers. I'm imagining folks that you talk to, I have made a confession of faith 
so many times throughout my life as an evangelical that was completely sincere. Yeah, I I can only imagine that when he says I'm met with a blank stare, it's more like a what the kind of blank stare, you know, or it's I, I don't know. I mean, I would totally agree with you. Who in the world are you talking to? I I I don't that, know. Or who, you know, and of course my thought is like, yeah, who are you leaving out? There's a lot of people you're leaving out because that's right. not true. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I yeah. agree. All right, I'll keep going. Which tells me you are part of the club sociologically, but maybe not fully in the faith. The second thing is when I look at a lot of people who are deconstructing in the way you describe it and do TikTok videos, the theological critiques are so often so shallow and indicate yeah. They're attacking a straw man. Either they're yeah. intentionally twisting Christianity because they're angry about it, or they never understood it in the first place. How many times have you heard that, that oh. we're attacking a straw man? Well, it, you know, I think it might be a little, I feel like I get this a lot because you know what is funny and what makes comedy great? Brevity keeping it short, keeping mm. it, you know, and so I try to make it smart, but I'm also, of course, I'm digging at the, the, the big things, but it's also like, there's a reason that they're the big things because those are the things that in the end for me were too much. I was like, mm -hmm. you know what? I don't. So I, I think that that is, I think that's lazy. And I also think that, that it, again, I don't believe that that is, that doesn't seem like a, like you're on a sincere quest to understand these people at all. Right. And I, I think that one of the issues is that I do understand the deconstruction explosion is really wide and people land in all different places and they, they yeah. have different perspectives on, on their point of origin, right? Like meaning a lot, most of us yeah. came out of some form of the evangelical tradition. There are other people, like there's, there's Mormons sure. who have deconstructed, et cetera. I, I, the people who deconstruct, many of them were, were, were the ones who were, all in the most, well, myself included, yeah. you, you as well, right? I, I just, I always say, if I wasn't what you think, which that's a different, like, I'll talk about that in a minute. I, I have more thoughts about that. But if I wasn't in as much as like, you think that I was just shallow and on the fringes, why would I be needing to deconstruct? Why would I care? Why would I freaking care? I would just walk away because there would be nothing left to unpack. I wouldn't have to, you know, break it down and go and like relive that complex trauma. And like, you know, and not everybody has religious trauma. I get that. Or, mm -hmm. you know, I know there's other descriptors that people are comfortable with, but yeah, I, I just think, why would I have, why would I still be talking about it if it didn't matter? Right. And if, if what we're critiquing is a straw man, then what that tells me is that the systems we grew up in and gave our lives to were giving us a straw man faith because we're yeah. not making up the critiques. Like we're not just no. making stuff up out of thin air or, right. or, 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 or walking into a, a new belief system that we never discovered. No. I, at least for me, I'm not sure about your story, no. but I, since I was a child, since day one was in these spaces, mm -hmm. inhaling the theology. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's on, on, frankly, it's on Elisa, Tim and Sean and, and his, yeah. and their people, not on me because my critiques are my experience of what I learned in evangelicalism for right. 30 plus years. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I think I was having this conversation with someone today about, you know, if you like, if you are trying to get someone saved, you're trying to win a soul from the evangelical standpoint, like, what do you, let me ask you, what would you have done to lead someone to salvation where you walk away from that interaction and you feel safe about their eternal soul? What would you have had to do? Yes. Like basically what ask them to pray the sinner's prayer, right? Hundred percent. And then they're they're you believe they believed it, they accepted it in their heart. 
did they have to perform certain things, believe certain things? Did you have to like put them through a psychological evaluation to decide whether they had actually become a Christian? No. Why then is it that you feel the need to do that when someone says they're leaving? They say, well, no, you were never a real Christian. Okay, well, then what was the if I was still a professing Christian evangelical like you, would you be putting me through the same ringer and saying, "Mm, I'm not sure if you're a real Christian? I don't know. I'm not sure if you're a real if this is a real, you know, if this is sincere, if your faith is sincere. A thousand percent. Yeah. I, most of my teenage years, I was working for an organization called Child Evangelism Fellowship. They're the largest. (laughs) Terrifying uh, name. Sorry. Yeah, no, for sure. And they are the largest children's ministry in the world. Their their goal is to be in every single country in the world preaching, quote unquote, the gospel. Mm -hmm. And I taught their stuff for over a decade and they walk you through what's called the wordless book. And it it walks a child through salvation. You start off with the white page, then go to this page and the red page and the green page. And at the end of it, you ask the child if they want to receive Christ into their heart Mm -hmm. by repenting from their sin. And then when they do that, you count that as a salvation. And, And I have experienced forms of that all throughout my evangelical tradition, whether it's walking down the aisle, recommitting my life or throwing mm-hmm. something in the fire or some kind of sin that you want to get rid of. Yeah, there oh are all God. these, there are all these moments, right. Of, of what people call a, a conversion moment that we all had. So mm-hmm. you're right to your point. When we walk away from it though, all of a sudden it's like, well, did you ever believe in the first place? Did you really get it in the first place? Well, my four churches that I served at on almost a full-time level thought I got it. Mm-hmm. They, they, they trusted me enough to lead a small group. They trusted me enough to play music, you know, on the, on the stage. I led VBS. So they yeah. thought I got it, but yeah. now because I changed my view, oh, I never got it in the first place. Yeah. I, I, I like to say they can't change. They can't look at you and realize, of course, because that would mean something very different for their faith. They can't realize that they can't accept the fact that you have walked away from that because it's, you know, in a way is that like the tulip model, the irresistible grace Uh, part. They really believe that like whether they believe in Calvinism or not, they do believe that like, no, no, once you're saved, like you would never walk away. You just wouldn't do that. So it's like, okay, since they can't change the theology, they're just going to change the person. That just makes it easier for them. It's faster. It's more convenient because they're, yeah. of course they can't change the theology. Like, Yeah, I agree. Friends, it's no secret that Christian nationalism is on the rise and threatens the rights of all of our neighbors. You also know I'm a big believer in shared values over shared beliefs, and you know that we are committed to working together with all kinds of folks to protect democracy in 2023. That's why I'm proud to let you know about the Summit for Religious Freedom hosted by Americans United taking place in Washington, D.C. April 14th through the 16th. I'm going to be there, and I'm so excited because keynote speakers include Anthea Butler, author of White Evangelical Racism, who we've had on the show before, and Representative Jamie Raskin, a vocal opponent of authoritarianism and Christian nationalism. The Summit for Religious Freedom is a big tent full of all kinds of people from different walks of life and holding different beliefs, uniting under the shared value of protecting the rights of all of our neighbors. So grab a ticket, let's hang out and learn all about the ways we can resist Christian nationalism and protect freedom for all. Go to the srf.org for more information. And if you can't make it in person, that's okay. You can always grab a digital ticket and join us from virtually anywhere. Get it? That's thesrf.org hosted by Americans United for Separation of Church and State, April 14th through the 16th. I'll see you there. So I, I can't say all, I would never say that. 
But in my experience and my research, I think most people who have deconstructed again in the way of just leaving the Christian faith were not in the Christian faith in the first place. Ugh, okay. I do enjoy how, how Sean is positioning himself as the gatekeeper of other people's salvation, right? He says he's not here to judge, but he has a whole monologue about how he's judging, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is fine. Listen, we're all allowed to make our judgments. We're all allowed to have opinions. But again, what Sean is doing is essentially just saying, well, despite your very real experience, despite all the times that you did profess faith, despite all the Bible studies, despite how much you gave to the church, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter because you deconstructed and maybe even deconverted, right? Because some people, like in our spaces, right, they want to go deeper in their faith beyond fundamentalism others run right out the front door and just completely deconvert either way though they were never a real christian in the first place because of that process right that's just such a disingenuous take that really it overwrites the experience of millions of people frankly it it completely does and it's just you know i i do feel like i don't know anything else about sean mcdowell at all so i'm not going to just generalize him as a person but going off of this one clip that I'm watching, like, um, you know, I feel like, okay, well, you wouldn't be having this conversation that you're having right now on this, you know, video that like him, this guy, Sean McDowell, he wouldn't be doing that if he was in a place to have a real conversation, a real raw conversation an actual, you know, coming from a place, being open-minded, wanting to understand people. Yeah. I mean, I just think it's gatekeeping was the perfect word, Tim. That's the perfect word. One last point I want to highlight here, and maybe we'll dig into it deeper uh, as the video progresses. I heard this on a a different podcast that was also responding to a clip similar to this by Sean, Elisa, and Tim. And he made a great point of saying, well, if deconstruction sorts out the real Christians from the cultural Christians, what's the problem with deconstruction? Isn't that what you want to happen? Isn't that a good thing then? Like, oh, great. If you deconstructed, now we know who the real Christians are from the fake ones. You wouldn't want us there anyway. Yeah, Exactly. But instead, Elisa and Tim are writing a book warning parents about the dangers of deconstruction and the dangers of their kids discovering people who are deconstructing on TikTok or Instagram. Because because it is dangerous. It's dangerous to their faith. Mm. What it is. So that it is, you know, such that it is. I mean, like, it's completely dangerous because if you, the whole point is, is the not knowing, you know, like that, that my parents made one big mistake, which was that they made us, they raised their kids to be very curious and, and always want to know more and always wanted to be more educated about things. So while they raised us in far right, you know, conservative fundamentalism, you know, if you have that, if you have someone telling you, hey, you can you can question things. Hey, you can you can look at this a little bit differently, then that's dangerous to fundamentalism. It's yeah. the worst, you know. Yeah. So it's it's dangerous and simultaneously doing what they want it want it's doing what they want too, right? Because they always want you to make sure that you know that you're a Christian or not. So if you deconstruct and we're never a Christian to begin with, it's it's just a very weird paradox, right? Like yeah. cause to your point, they treat it as I mean, in this in this video at one point, they literally say that deconstruction is is focused on destroying Christianity. So it's a huge threat, but mm. also it's sorting out the wheat from the chaff, so to mm-hmm. speak. So it's just, it's interesting yeah. to see how, how, how they play kind of both sides of that. Yeah. All right. We'll keep going. Okay. Do you agree? Do you disagree? What do you think, Tim? I, I totally agree. And uh, you took the words out of my mouth. I mean, again, I don't know the heart of the individual, 
But what I can do is, you know, I go on, you know, deconstructing girls Instagram account and I see what this I knew you followed that one, Tim. I knew yeah, it. I, I'm sorry. Keep going. I mean, they're they all go I'm by these kidding. names, right? And that's actually, that's a real account. And I know it is. I'm Girl is uh, she put out, we read Pendit. Uh, she said the primary, mm. the primary belief of Christianity is uh, child sacrifice. That's the, that's the central belief. Hey, that's you. <laughs> okay. Let's pause there. I actually have mm-hmm. the tweet that they read Pendit. I can't show you it, unfortunately, because okay. you know, we had some issues before this, but what you said was <laughs> hashtag evangelicalism is unreformable. Because any way you slice it, the primary belief is that child sacrifice saved the world. That's what you I said. I stand by that. Yeah. You stand by that. Okay. Let's see what Tim has to say about this. And I, I just think, and, and then in like the, you know, the, the comment, you know, she wrote, there's no coming back from this one kind of thing. And I'm thinking, first of all, I mean, this is easy to respond to. But second of all, it, do you think, do you, I mean, this is someone who says they were a Christian and yet they think, our central belief is that in child sacrifice, I mean, uh, my seven-year-old can respond to that challenge. My seven-year-old knows that Jesus was a full-grown man when he gave his life on a cross and he willingly gave that life. And so it was- Can we pause I mean, for a second? We absolutely can. Go okay. ahead. Um, so this is an argument that I've heard, especially recently, because I posted more about this, because I just kind of doubled down, which I sometimes do. But someone was saying, you know, several people were saying, well, he was a grown man. He was part of the plan. He planned this whole thing. I'm like, well, first of all, at what point, you know, if you have kids, at what point is your kid going to stop being your child? Right. Never. never. The answer is never. My mother still calls me a 35-year-old man, her little Timmy, (laughs) her her little little baby. (laughs) Right. Like, I'm always going to be her child, period. Right. Mine too. I have two sons. They're always going to be, that's my child. So there's that. But also I just feel like, and he also misrepresented me because it, I didn't say Christianity. I said evangelicalism. There's a difference mm-hmm. because I also know that tons of Christians don't believe that. They don't believe in that sort of atonement. So <laughs> I just think, yeah, I completely stand by that statement. And and we, you and I talked about, you were like, what's the, all I heard was John three sixteen, right? I, well, that was kind of my point is when, when when Tim first said this, as I was doing the research for the video, I thought, you know, I, I was taught that. I was taught that 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 God sent his son mm-hmm. to be a sacrifice for my sins. I mean, I was taught penal substitutionary atonement mm-hmm. and, the, and, and early on that, that, that God or Christ bore the wrath that I deserve mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. God had to punish someone and he yeah, and punished if Jesus. You, if you ask them, they would say that that's what they believe. Right, and, and yet my statement is too too meta, I guess. I, I well, and also to to your point, I, I have the red pen tweet up here, and like, <laughs> and and Tim pulls a few Bible verses, like he pulls Philippians. Oh, sorry, yeah, I believe it's it could be Philemon or it could be Philippians mm-hmm. two six to eight. Though he was in the form of God, dot dot dot, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Yeah, who was he obedient to? Right, God the Father, and then he also quotes here John. On 10 18 because he tries to make it seem his, his tim's quote here is jesus was a willing participant not a passive victim and he quotes john 10 18 no one mm-hmm. takes it from me but i lay it down on my own accord but if you keep reading that verse right. it says this command i have received from my father yes and here's my thing i actually don't care whether and this is in a world where you know this isn't something that i believe anymore but coming coming at it from their their lens I actually don't think that his willingness is relevant to what I said. 
So fine. That's fair. You know, like yeah. child sacrifice. I'm like, well, okay. So he was willing to do it, but his dad still wanted him to do it. <laughs> right. I mean, the, the prayer in Gethsemane, right? Jesus is praying, not my will, but your will be done. Right. But, but please, if this cup can pass from me, please yes. do so. Right. I mean, there are, yes. there are, I, I, and I think this is what really got me was, and listen, I want to, you know me, I try and be charitable. I'm not here to dehumanize people. I've spoken sure. to all three yeah. of these people. I've talked to Tim and Elisa privately. They were very cordial. I've talked to Sean publicly. I've engaged with him before. So I, I don't want to be harsh here, but I just felt like this was so disrespectful. And 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 the way that Tim kind of was so flippant, like, oh, what what kind of real Christian would ever think this? It's like, have you ever listened to John MacArthur? Ever yeah. listened to Paul Washer? I, yeah. I mean, for people who grew up reformed, for for the neo Calvinists like myself who grew up deep in that world, mm-hmm. the sacrifice of Christ was what payment for my sin that yeah. the wrath of God needed to uh, poured out on, yeah. and God sent His Son to pay that penalty. Yes. So it, it's definitely and not what a, a beautiful thing that He did it, and what, what a you know, right. and how right. how wonderful is He for doing this? I mean, how many songs do we have about that that statement? Like, yeah. wow, you were so, you did this for us. You did it because we otherwise would have been burning in hell. Right, okay? right. I, I think that's a sacrifice. I think right. that's for atonement. I, I don't know what else they were trying to tell us. It does seem like that. I mean, and I went to a church of many thousands of people and some with hundreds of people and they taught it to all of those. So they're teaching it somewhere, Tim. Uh, well, to your point, one of my old pastor friends, a good guy, not, not very much in the, he was in the the CMA, Christian Missionary Alliance, hardly a, a hardline reformed mm-hmm. denomination. But I remember him telling me, he said, Tim, when you have kids, it will just make the sacrifice of Jesus that much greater. The fact that God would send his son for us. I could never imagine sending my kid to die for anyone else. So, I mean, again, I just want to point out that like, if now if Tim thinks this is a bad take, that's fine, but mm-hmm. take it up with, with take it up with the with the institutions and industries right, that push that that push that stuff that we are now pushing away from. Absolutely, I mean, I don't know his. Do you think that he believes in that? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, that would be I, my I, question because I, my what I come back to is you can say that the the way that I worded it was ridiculous, but I don't think it's I don't think it's a misunderstanding of most evangelical theology. I would agree. And by the way, I do appreciate you bringing up the clarification that your original tweet said evangelicalism is unreformable, not Christianity, right? So even you recognize that in the Christian tradition, there are many ways to view what is called the atonement. And this is one way, but Mm -hmm. there are other ways, which I I appreciate a lot. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's keep moving. So when you see that, when you see that straw man, as you just described, and these straw men are everywhere, you can only come to two kinds of conclusions. One is they are being deliberately, uh, they're deliberately misrepresenting Christianity. Yeah. Now I'm not, I don't want to go there. So I'm just going to, what I'm going to, what I'm going to assume is you don't get it. And if you don't get that, something as simple as this, as fundamental as this, then, then maybe you didn't get any of it. Well, there's also option three, the people who taught us this stuff had bad theology, which yep. is the whole point of why we're deconstructing yep. or have deconstructed or are mm-hmm. renegotiating our faith or we're disentangling, whatever Absolutely. you want to call it. Exactly. Maybe it turns out that the theology we were taught by people who positioned themselves as a spiritual authorities in our life, maybe it turns out that when we took their claims seriously to not believe them, but check it against the Bible yep. and, and, and to, and to do the hard work of making sure that what we believe is, is firm. When we did that, 
maybe it turned out that it wasn't that firm and that we wanted to find better ways in our faith or left the faith completely, which is, again, I say often is a valid way to, to, to deconstruct a hundred percent, but yeah. to make it seem like your only two options are people like you are either misrepresenting this blatantly. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or just never got it. I, I care way too much about being right to, to make up, <laughs> to just falsify what I'm saying. <laughs> That would not you're happen. T- you're too damn stubborn, huh? <laughs> oh, my God. All right, we'll keep it going. And you're right, Sean. You hear these testimonies and someone will get up and talk about how they went to a camp and maybe they had some kind of experience. The music was great. And they, you know, walked forward or put their hand up and, and said, you know, I'm, I'm a follower now or something. But what's missing is this like the defining experience of a Christian. Oh, my God. Why? What? Why, why would they need to deconstruct? Why in the world would you need to go and upend your whole life if it wasn't your whole life? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, Completely. Okay. Completely. What, what in the world? When did I ever go and make a friendship bracelet at summer camp and think, oh, my God, I better deconstruct that? A hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. I just that's that's a ridiculous claim. That's the most ridiculous claim I can think of, really, is just like. Because I understand, I hear that you were never a real Christian, and I generally give them the benefit of the doubt that what they mean is, like, in your heart, you were just going through the motions, and you were just, right. you know, trying to please people, or or trying to be part of a club, or whatever, or pleasing your parents, you know. But to say that, like, that to me is that's on a different level. What he's saying is literally like, this wasn't even important to you, and you're deconstructing. Why? Right. And what's also interesting is that Tim says that there was no defining experience while also giving an example of an experience mm-hmm. that many of us went through that do actually lead. I'm, I'm going to keep playing because he, he talks yeah. about in his mind what it means to get saved. And I'm gonna, I just want to compare and contrast that. Yeah. What's missing is this like the defining experience of a Christian. And that is to, to, you know, kind of beat your breast and say, you know, have mercy on me, a sinner, you know, this kind of experience you think of, um, Jesus describes this scenario where the, the man can't even look up to the sky. Like there's this posture of, mm. I am not worthy to stand before the holy God. And so you're just casting yourself on his mercy and asking for forgiveness. Is that kind of experience being described? You know, I think it's Psalm 51, you know, um, where, where the psalmist kind of describes his transgression before the Lord against you and you alone have I sinned, you know, this kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. Tim. Yes, it is. Yes. Sure How, is. I, I, I How many wish... times can I say it? How many different ways can I say it? How many times does it have to be done? Right. Like, is there, what's right. the number? Tell me the number. Tell me what uh, you want, how I can quantify it for you. Cause I can. I, I, you're, ex- you're a hundred percent right. And this is what's so infuriating is that Tim makes this weird, he, he splits this like one type of, of experience and separates it from the, the, guilt and the have mercy on me, God, I need your grace, but mm-hmm. they're intertwined. I mean, a couple of years ago, yeah. I was playing in assemblies of God winter camps for teenagers and I witnessed the altar calls. I was the drummer mm-hmm. behind that <laughs> event, building up the moment. And it was yeah. not just the emotion. It was all about how you need God, how you oh, need yeah. to ask him into your heart, how you need to ask for forgiveness, how you need to say you're sorry for your sin and mm-hmm. commit to going a different way. And kids would rush the aisle and they were as sincere as they knew how to be Absolutely. for where they were in life. Their mm-hmm. age is 13, they're 14, they're 15, right? Yeah. So let's say one of those kids does that. Now that church, that camp is going to label that as salvation. 
They're going to go back they're to their church. Mm-hmm. They're going to brag to their people. We had such a, you know, so-and-so amount of kids, maybe 10, 20, 30, maybe a hundred yeah. profess yeah. Jesus as Lord to become a Christian. And the church claps. will celebrate that. Right. It will be a thing. Yes. That's right. Now, if they deconstruct, Tim and Sean and Elisa say, Oh, you know what? They were never real Christians. And mm-hmm. they, 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 they were just part of this like pseudo emotional experience that never yeah. really mattered because yeah. they didn't beat their breasts and say, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. And what, I, what I'm saying to Tim is, yes, they did. Yes, yes they, I did. Yes, yeah. you did. Like mm-hmm. I did, I did what you're saying is the moment of conversion. Right. So many stinking times. Right. That's the thing. If I, if I was still in your, your, you know, identity group that you're in, you would, you would believe that I was a Christian. You would never, you would, anything that I questioned, it would be an attack of the enemy, anything, you know, it would be addressed that way because you, you are one of, you're one of God's chosen people. And so if this is happening to you, that means that the devil is trying to attack you because you are, you know, obviously there's a purpose, there's a plan for your life. They would say all of those things. Now that I'm out on the outside, you get to you know, like I said, you can't, okay, you can't change your theology because you can't go there. So you just change the person. Just pretend that the person, their right. experience does not exist. Right. Now I have not read their new book. It's not out yet. I plan on reading it. And they do <laughs> in this full interview talk about, they do hint that, Hey, part of the problem is abuse and leaders who are, are bad with no accountability. So I'm happy to hear them even mention that. Yeah. But let's make something very, very clear. It is incredibly frustrating to be told by people like Tim and Sean and Elisa that, that all of our years and decades of being fully involved in evangelical spaces, inhaling the theology, believing the theology deep down, like being obsessed with it, yeah. reading all the books, making the professions of faith, mm-hmm. that is out the window because we changed our mind or we deconverted. Yeah. Like that, that, no, the problem then is on you. Maybe you should rethink the theology that you're right. espousing, but they won't because for them, for Tim, Sean, and Elisa and others, they are convinced that they are standing on an objective truth about reality. Yeah. And yeah. anyone who, 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 who falls off that path of what they call objective truth, they are outside of not just the faith, historic Christianity, as they call it, but they are just living ultimately a lie. They're not living the right way. So their theology can't be the problem. It has to be people who who aren't able to hang on for their entire life. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you, you almost, you come to the point where you're like, okay, do I have to, you know, I consider myself agnostic adjacent. I I have, I, I really don't, I know it sounds so cheesy, but I don't like the labels because I am not, I'm not an atheist. I'm not, Mm -hmm. I don't consider myself a Christian culturally. I feel like a Christian, Mm -hmm. you know, there are ways in which I do, but overall in general, it's not, you know, the Bible doesn't speak to me always the way it does a lot of people. So there's that, but anyway, you know, I digress. My point is I, they almost want you to become like, as if this exists a deconstruction apologist. Like, okay, so you want me to go back and study all of your stuff just so that I can rebut all of your, you know, your, your attacks and your, your debating whether or not I was a Christian or not. But then here's the other thing. So they want you to do that, but they also, you know, in the same way, these three people that I see on the screen, these three people in this, you know, this interview, like they might have some small differences in what they believe. And so if you say one thing to one person and say, well, yeah, I read these authors. They didn't answer my questions. I prayed to God. He didn't answer my questions. You know, depending on what sect you're from, oh, well, you didn't do it right. You should have gone to speak to a priest or you should have gone to Bible college or you should have studied Greek or like, 
okay, I, you can never be enough for all of the people who want, like you don't have enough in you. You don't have enough time yeah. and even the willingness to just be able to, you know, to be a deconstruction apologist. Like, so it's just not worth it, you know, to go. Oh, Cause at that point you just go, okay, buddy. This is a good point. I, I, I've been doing this work now for almost, uh, well, yeah, over three years, full time for over two. I've realized that not everyone, but there are people in this world, this apologetic world that I encounter who just want to argue for the sake of arguing and are not interested in actually talking. They just want to prove how wrong you are and how right they are. Meaning mm-hmm. like, like they'll, they'll start out by being curious. Oh, I want to learn more about what you believe, but it's really just a way for them to eventually question you enough to drive you insane. Yep. Like it's not really about, oh, that's helpful or that's changed my mind. Yep. It's more about, well, now that I know what you believe, here's how I, here's mm-hmm. how I'm gonna pick it apart. Yeah. I'm gonna ask you questions so we can argue endlessly in DMs or yeah, in I ha- wherever. I had it's like someone oh. do this the other day. And it started out as a good faith argument. I was like, okay, let's let me answer your questions. Because some people really just say, like, okay, I sincerely want to know why you deconstructed. I right. was just in the mood that day. I was like, all right, let's do it. Most right. of the time I don't want to have that discussion. And what it came to was eventually when I was talking about my concerns, what happened, my journey, you know, which I'm still on, it was, well, all of your questions, this is what the person said. Well, I mean, all of those questions are easily enough answered. I was like, okay, <laughs> first of all, all right, good okay. for you. I'm so glad that your world is that way. Boy, do I right. miss it. Right. And then it was like, you need to read, he gave me a list of these um, modern Christian philosophers. He said, you know, because they've come a long way and they have a better like grasp now on what it's like. Oh, so you're saying because we're more educated now, they've gotten newer arguments. Okay, fine. Like, that's fine. But, you know, at that point and with where I'm at, I know that deconstruction means different things to different people. I don't like to define it because all like for me, what it means is just like examining everything that I've believed. And deciding whether I feel like it's true for me, true for the good of humanity, et cetera. But it's if you're asking me to like come back, read these texts, you know, who what have you actually done to work through this? What did you actually do to try to hold on to your faith? It's kind of like saying you can talk yourself back into falling in love with someone that you don't love. Like, why would that change anything? Hi, I'm Dr. Jennifer Bird. I'm a biblical scholar, and long story short, the reason I became a biblical scholar is I had been a very conservative evangelical Christian, and then I had a chance to learn more about the Bible, and it changed everything about the way I engaged the Bible. As an educator at heart, I actually wanted to help others find similar freedom and more loving ways of engaging the Bible. So that's what I do. I'm interested in helping others learn how to engage the Bible without harming themselves or others, basically, put short. And that is at the heart of what I see TNE doing on various levels here, specifically being committed to the values of love, justice, inclusivity, and non-dehumanization. I could not be more excited about the work TNE is doing, and I could not be more supportive of Project Amplify. I hope you will consider joining the movement and helping us make things happen. And of course, you don't, I mean, frankly, you don't hear a lot about sin. Um, there's lots of churches that don't talk, talk about sin. And then when you start going down the hashtag uh, deconstruction, what you find is that this whole idea of mm-hmm. sin is just about control. That's the motivation the church is, is they're just trying to control or hurt people. It's toxic theology. Yeah. So this is the last bit I wanted to respond Ooh. to. First off, 
It's not about the concept of sin. Most people I've, I've encountered in this quote unquote deconstruction space recognize that humans can do a lot of harm. I mean, mm-hmm. we, the word I would replace with that is harm, right? Like yeah. we hear it all the time, right? And we all recognize that we've been complicit in harm, that we do bad things, that yeah. humans are complicated. So the issue is not sin. The mm-hmm. issue is how the word sin is loaded to describe very specific actions and how that's about as mm-hmm. wide as it goes, right? So for them, sin is like abortion is always wrong. Mm-hmm. If you're gay, you're sinful. And like if you curse too much and oh, if you, if you have sex before marriage. But yeah. like I when I as I renegotiated my faith, I discovered that sin is way bigger of a concept than just a few specific solo actions that in my opinion, anyway, depending on the context, aren't even sin necessarily. And so it's just frustrating, again, to hear Tim talk about like, well, to your point, Tim, maybe we don't talk about sin the way you do anymore. And maybe for Tim, he thinks that means that we're being unbiblical because he has the biblical understanding of sin and we don't. I would dispute that. But that's not the case at all. Many of us are more aware of how sin is systemic in our society, of, yes. of how sin impacts certain people, groups in different ways that maybe mm-hmm. we never had eyes for. Yeah. I'm aware more than ever of the sin I've committed towards people that I didn't even know was yeah. perhaps causing a lot of damage. Yeah, so I, I, I think it's very much a straw man <laughs> argument to use their own terminology. Yeah, I mean, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe that the Bible really has an overarching theme of saying that racism is a, a sin and mm. it's a sin. It's a sin in our society and we live with it every day. And like, you know, if you're, and there are other sins to them that, that, you know, sometimes, yes, it might destroy your life. It might hurt the people around you, but it also might not, (laughs) it might not be anything, you know, of the sin, the sins that they qualify as sins, like just using that qualifier. I think I totally agree. Like, it's just, you're not, we need to, we need to explore our definition of sin, I think. And the people who say that we just left to sin, I'm like, well, it's actually, No, because I don't think that a lot of the things that I, I don't think of sin the same way anymore. Uh, So the things that you're thinking, oh, you left so that you could sin and not feel guilty. That's my, that's my least favorite argument of theirs. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, the reality is that, is that we've experienced the the term sin in a very specific, narrow way. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us, especially those of us who wanted to stay in the house and keep exploring what these terms mean, realized how complicated and really hard it is to define this term and how it could be mm-hmm. you know, depending on, on what church father you're reading or or what moment in time culture or space you're 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 looking at sin gets defined very differently martin yeah. luther says that per- participating in birth control is worse than participating in incest that's what martin luther says <laughs> i'm not aware of anyone even those who are anti-birth control I'm not aware of anyone who would make that comparison, but Martin Luther God. was key. Well, he was he was emphatic on this. I mean, birth yeah. control is absolutely sinful. Yeah. Most Protestant evangelicals don't think twice about using some form of birth no. control. No. So I, this is just what it is. For a long time, the, the Catholic Church in particular really was firmly against usury, or, or against mm-hmm. charging interest and making a profit. We live in a capitalistic corporate society where most Christians don't think twice about be, about, about participating in, in those type of industries. No. So uh, it, it's more complicated than here's the objective definition of sin and here's mm-hmm. our, our, mm-hmm. our little, uh, here's our list. And once you fall outside the list, you're no longer a part of quote unquote biblical Christianity. It, it's way more complicated than that, frankly. It is. Yeah, it is. And I, I mean, we could, they're not talking about this, but we, you know, they do all, they believe that we all have a sin nature. We're born sinful. You know, I have thoughts on that. I think that 
if God set us up and the first human beings immediately failed and sinned, I think that's a failure of God. <laughs> like, I think that that's probably not a great system to, to set up. But I think like, yeah, I, I, it, it's cultural. So much of that is cultural, you know, just like what you said, it's the same thing. Yeah. You know, birth control is acceptable to the church now because it's acceptable to everybody. And mm-hmm. that's, that's one of the reasons why I encourage people to speak out about what they believe in, even if it is something that they feel conservatives will immediately shut down, you know, conservative Christians, because I think that well, I want to make sure I'm using that right. Some people say conservative, they mean a different thing. You know what I mean? I hope you know what I mean. <laughs> fundamentalists. What do you mean? Christian fundamentalists, evangelicals, oh, okay. people. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what I meant. Sorry. Yeah. But like, you know, I, I think that I studied advertising for just a little bit. And one of the things that you learn really quickly is that, you know, exposure to a message over and over will, it will eventually get in to a place, even though you might not think it will. And I think it's the same. We've seen it with um, marriage equality. And things like that, where so many people, so many more people accept it now because they're more exposed to it. And it just, and I know that it has, it's also dug in some heels. There are people who, you know, have gotten even more adamant about it being wrong. But in general, like the the very thing that they think is so disgusting that we do is, yeah, I want to expose you to these different ways of life and these things that you think are a sin so that you can look it right in the eye and say, yeah, I don't believe that this person's lived experience, you know, is is right. Like in the mm-hmm. exam, like with LGBTQ people. Okay, y- you if you can stay around them and live and be in their space and have them in your life and welcome them in, into your home, and you can still say that to them after really, really getting to know them. Well, okay, then you know if that doesn't change you, okay, generally it will. <laughs> you know, like yeah. yeah. So anyway, I just think like expose. Like, exposing people to that keep talking about it keep yeah, trying no, to normalize I, I, the things that they yeah so yeah I, I i tend to agree so how do you feel you're a celebrity now you were called out by <laughs> by the by the the three big big names in the apologetics industry i didn't even know who they were until you told me <laughs> you're you're famous now just so you I, know. like you know it's funny there's this people think because of the account that i run that I'm so obsessed with people like this, like people who are doing the work that these people are doing. And it's funny because like, there's this line in Mad Men where, you know, somebody's like, Oh, you know, I think that you're terrible and you're this and you're that. And the guy's like, Hmm, I don't think about you at all. <laughs> and it's just like, <laughs> I don't like, uh, you know, I, I don't really care. Definitely don't care what they think of me, but I also just think I didn't get one DM. I didn't get one email. They didn't ask me to clarify anything or elaborate. So they can say what they want because they're just going off one tweet. Well, you got one message from me once I once I saw this. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, listen, the construction girl, this was fun. This was a good time. Maybe we'll do it again. Who knows what the future holds? But thanks for coming on. <laughs> yeah, thank you for having me. It's been awesome. 